sharing with us this morning. And we're going to let the children make their way to junior church at this time. But as I think of Austin's request there, if you would like to help in some of those needs, Austin will be around here afterwards. And uh, if you want to make out a check, you can make it out to Eternal Anchor and uh, see that some of those needs are, are, are provided for through the means that God has, has given to us. We're going to turn to Ephesians 1 again, starting with verse 7 this morning. Ephesians 1, starting with verse 7. In whom we have redemption through his blood. Now he's talking out about the beloved there in verse 6. He is the one has provided redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. He has made known to us the mystery of his will according to the kind intention which he purposed in him. With a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of times. That is... The summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens, things upon the earth. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. When J.P. Morgan, the multimillionaire, died, it was found that his will contained about 10,000 words. That's a lot of words. It had 37 articles. He made transactions in it that involved large sums of money. But in his will, he left no doubt as to what he considered the most important transaction that he was making. He said these words, I commit my soul into the hands of my Savior in full confidence that having been redeemed and washed in his most precious blood, he will present it faultless before my heavenly Father And I entreat my children to maintain and defend at all hazard and at any cost of personal sacrifice the blessed doctrine of the complete atonement for sin through the blood of Jesus Christ once offered and through him alone. What a tremendous testimony that was for a man who uh, could say so much because of his wealth to focus on the fact that Jesus Christ provided salvation and redemption for him. Paul declares, in Christ, we have been redeemed. We want to look at what does that mean? How does that relate to our lives this morning? And we might even raise the question, why? We we, we need that. We'll answer those questions as we go along this morning. Uh, We looked last week at the blessings of the Father. Our Heavenly Father chose us. He adopted us. He accepted us into his family. And we have been blessed because of that. Each one of them is a a special blessing in and of itself. It was the Father who uh, planned our redemption. It was the Father who administered that redemption. And now today we want to turn our attention to the blessings from the Son. He is the one who provides that redemption for us. He is the one who accomplishes that. And so just as we looked at three blessings from the Father, let's take a look at three blessings from the Son this morning. First thing we notice here is the Son redeems us, verses 7 through 8 here. What is the meaning of the word redemption? What does it mean? 
The word redeem simply means to buy back. It was a common term in the New Testament days. They lived in a slave economy. We don't always understand and appreciate that today. Uh, We had a a daughter once. We had company over, and we asked her to do something. And uh, as she was going to do it, she said, if you wanted me to be a slave, why did you give me a name? (laughs) Our our, our company laughed, but uh, Mom didn't laugh. we, we, we sometimes think of the fact that we have it hard, but you know, nothing compared to a slave e- economy there. But the slaves had the right, if they could raise the money or some of their family could raise the money, they could buy their freedom. And that's the idea behind re- redemption here. We still use that term today. I remember years ago sitting in a courthouse in, in Ecolaca, Montana. Now, I was not... The reason I was there was not because of what I had done. It was a, a friend of ours was losing his ranch. He had invested and expanded one year before the economy crashed. And then that was followed by about four years of severe weather problems, drought, and so forth. And so he reached a point where he could no longer pay his bills. And so his ranch was being sold at, at auction in that time. I, I was simply there to let him know that we cared and what we're concerned about. Uh, he was given the option, after the ranch was sold, he was given the option to buy it back. He had one year in which to put together a package, and if he could put, put a package together to, to pay that price, the ranch would be his again. And he was able to work together with some of the neighbors. Uh, he sold off portions of the property that... He felt he didn't need uh, leaving enough so that he could make uh, a living with the ranch, uh, worked out some arrangements with some relatives and so forth. And by the end of the year, he redeemed his ranch, took possession of it again. Uh, God had un- undertaken in that matter. It was redeemed. Why do we need redemption? We need redemption because back in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve sold themselves to the powers of darkness. They chose to sin. They chose to allow God to, uh, or, or reject God. They became slaves to Satan. In Romans 6, 1, he speaks of the fact, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He says, God forbid. Why? Because just in the chapter before that, he said, if we sin, we become slaves to sin. We need to be redeemed from the burden of that sin. And How is redemption possible here? Verse 7 nails it for us there. It says, in him we have redemption. How? Through his blood. It is through the blood of Jesus Christ that the price has been paid for our sin. In the Old Testament, we have that. Well, first of all, 1 Peter 1 speaks of that same transaction in verses 18. And I know the ladies have memorized this. I think they were given this verse to memorize, but I won't put you on the spot this morning. I'll read it for you. He said, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things or corruptible things like silver and gold from your futile way of life, inherited from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Jesus Christ. That was the pattern all throughout the Old Testament. God had said to Adam and Eve, if you choose to sin, you choose to disobey the one command that I have given you, 
you shall surely die. And die they did. Not physical death immediately, although that did come later, but spiritually they died. They were separated from God. Sin had brought that death into their life. God provided an element of hope, I believe, in that story. If, if you read the story, uh, they realized they had sinned. They tried to cover their sin with fig leaves or, uh, or their bodies with fig leaves. And, and uh, God said that's not sufficient. There was a blood sacrifice that had to be made. God gave them the coats of skin. The, the only way you're going to get a coat of skin is the death of the animal. The animal had to give their, their blood in that case. Uh, you see that in the story of Cain and Abel. You see it in the story of Abraham and Isaac. You see it in the Passover, all looking forward to the fact that the Lamb of God was to come into the world. In John one twenty nine, he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Why did he have to die? He had to die uh, because Hebrews 10 says, the uh, sacrifices of animals, of bulls and goats and so forth, was not sufficient to pay for sin. It had to be a man that gave his life in our place. It had to be the Son of God who came as a man and, and went to the cross for us. Uh, how do we receive that redemption? Notice he stresses here, we receive it according to the riches of his grace. I like that. The riches of his, not just his grace, but the, the riches of his grace. He's rich in grace. He has demonstrated that over and over to us in our life as we walk through this world. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 puts it very succinctly for us. It says, for by faith you have been saved, how? Through grace. Not of yourselves, not of works. It's a gift of God. God has freely offered us the gift of redemption. Now, I say he has freely offered that to us. There is nothing we can pay, nothing we can do to earn it. But it cost Jesus Christ his life. He had to go to the cross. He had to shed his blood so that you and I could have that gift of redemption today. Romans 5.1 says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. It was made possible through the work of Christ. And I like what he says in verse 8. He says he lavished us, lavished upon us, what? His grace today. We, we looked before at the fact that grace has provided salvation for us. Titus reveals the fact that not only does it bring salvation, but it teaches us how to live in this life. It, it, it's the instrument through which God is revealing his perfect will for us. It, it also, in Titus chapter 2, verse 14, I believe it is, it gives us a glorious hope. We have something to look forward to. Uh, if your hope is just in this world, you're in trouble. This old world is headed for, for destruction. If your hope is found in Jesus Christ, you have a glorious future ahead. You can look forward to, to eternity. Uh, all of that is part of the work of grace in our lives. And then as Austin reminded us here this morning, his grace is sufficient in the midst of a trial. Even, and that's a hard one sometimes for us to wrestle with, but even if God says no to a request, his grace is still sufficient. 
His grace is lavished upon us. And sometimes I think it would be wise for us to pray, Lord, open my eyes to the reality of your grace. Help me to see how your grace is operating in my life today. Help me to see the the blessings that you are bringing because you are a gracious God. And we we need to rejoice in in the redemption that, that he has brought to us. The second blessing that he brings to us here is that the son not only provides redemption, but he reveals God's will to us in verses 8 through 10. He speaks there of a mystery. I don't know about you, but I enjoy a mystery. I'm reading some mystery books. I mean, the, the classics are Louis L'Amour, but uh, Agatha Christie comes close to that. Uh, but, uh, you, you know, you, you have the... You try to figure out who did it and so forth there. That's not the mystery that, that he's talking about here. He's talking about a truth that has not fully been revealed up to this point. We, we get a glimpse of that in, again in First Peter chapter 1 in, in verse uh, 10 and 11, where he speaks of the, the prophets and the Old Testament leaders. It says, as to this salvation... The prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful search and inquiry, seeking to know what person or time the spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. They had all of the pieces there in the Old Testament. They, they could see the, the suffering of Christ. You read Isaiah chapter 53, you see the suffering servant there. They had a picture of the glories that were going to come as the Messiah established his kingdom and so forth. They just didn't know how to put the pieces together in their thinking and in their mind. What in the world was God doing? Now, we have the opportunity today to look back and see what God did on the cross and what was the purpose of that suffering of Christ. And we have the opportunity to look ahead to the future and realize, yes, his glory is coming. His glorious kingdom is coming. So that mystery, in that sense, has been revealed to us there. And yet, as I say that, uh, I appreciate what, what Austin shared there. There is still an element of mystery, isn't there? We, we read, my grace is sufficient. I wonder how in the world can this event or, or, or this tragedy or, or, or this uh, disability, or how in the world can that demonstrate the, the grace of God. And, and to be honest, there, there are many things that touch our life that sometimes we just have to accept by faith. We have to say, Lord, I don't understand them, but I believe you know what you are doing in my life. And so we still wrestle with that, that mystery that is there. But notice as we wrestle with that mystery, he speaks of the fact that it is according to the kind intention which he purposed in him. I I like that phrase, the kind intention. It it reveals to us that even though we may not understand what God is doing, God intends for that to work out for good in our lives. Somehow he is going to to use that so that not only is, is it for our good, but it's for his glory as well, his will is perfect if we will follow it. When it comes to redemption, Isaiah 65 speaks of the fact in verse 2, it says, I have spread out my hands all day long to a rebellious people who walk in the way which is not good, following their own thoughts of people who continually provoke me. 
And then you come down to the New Testament, and in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, he says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, if someone counts slackness, but is long-suffering, not willing, that any should perish. His grace is available today. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul said, Today is the day of salvation. God's grace is still operating. It is still at work. There are still men and women coming to know Jesus Christ and Sometimes we get a glimpse of that. Uh, we, we had a, a speaker here not too long ago from back to Jerusalem ministry, revealing how God is bringing men and women by the thousands to himself in China. And, and in some of the uh, countries between China and Jerusalem, where, where they're trying to reach out, where it's closed to Western missionaries, but Chinese people can go and they're readily acceptable. God is still in the business of saving men and women, with, with the gospel message. That's part of his will, that, of his kind intention today. And, and we, we need to recognize that in verse 10, he's the administrator. He is the one who is, is summing up all things in Christ. Uh, his will is being accomplished in the world today. I, I, I remember many times years ago, uh, as my mother was getting older, uh, you, you know, when you get older, you, yeah, you ever think of the good old days? <laughs> yeah. I'm uh, showing my age in that. I, I, I realize that, but you know, it seemed like it was so much easier or simpler back then and so forth. And, and she would always, several times she would say to me, where in the world is this world going? Where, where is it headed? And, and I always assured her, mom, it's headed right where God intends it to go. He is still in control. He will work out his will and his plan, even though we may not fully understand that. God is revealing to us that he is the one who is in control, not you and I, but he is the one in control. And so that comes to the third blessing here. Then the son releases God's resources to us today. Notice he starts verse 11 by saying, we also have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. Now, this is where one of those areas where theologians argue a little bit about. What, what does that phrase, we have obtained an inheritance, mean? There are two views there. Uh, one is, in him we have received an inheritance. And that is certainly valid and certainly true. We have received the blessing of grace. We have received the blessing of the Spirit. We, we have been blessed with all the spiritual blessings that, that God has, has promised us in, in 1 Peter 1, verse 4 there. We have received, and I realize we haven't fully received that inheritance. He has so much more for us in heaven than what we have here today. We, we, we have that, that hope to look forward to. But we have received that inheritance. Why? Uh, because Christ died for us. Uh, you can write out a will. You can provide for people in that will. But it's not in effect until you die. Uh, that's just a fact of life. Uh, you can give that away before you die if you want. But uh, the will is only valid when you die. I had been promised an inheritance years ago when my grandfather died. I was in his will to receive the money that was left from his estate. Uh, 
Unfortunately, my great aunt was the executor of his estate, and the day before he died, she transferred all of the money from his account to her account. <laughs> and there was no money there. And, and she explained that to me. Uh, uh, here I am, what, 15, 16 years of age. Uh, what, what are you going to do about it? But um, she said, I will remember you in my will. She said, she said I, may, I may need this money before I die, so uh, if there's anything left, it's yours. Uh, her house and so forth, what, what was to be my, my inheritance. The only problem was she lived for quite a few years, and, and the night before she passed into eternity, she called her attorney in and changed her will. <laughs> and there went my inheritance. <laughs> now, uh, it was her legal right to do that. I, I am not faulting her in that. That was her choice. That, that was her wishes. Uh, that, that was okay. As long as she was alive, she had that right. I did not have any claim to that inheritance until she died. And then I could claim my inheritance as long, if I was still in the will. I was not still in the will, uh, so I, I had nothing to claim at, at that point. But we can claim the inheritance. We can claim the resources that God has promised us. We can claim those promises today. Why? Because Christ died. He's alive to make sure his will is carried out, but he died. He paid the penalty for our sin. We have been blessed with all the spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus because he went to the cross for us. The second view of that phrase of an inheritance here is that we are, not only have received an inheritance, but we are an inheritance. We'll get into that when we get down to verse 18 there, the, the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Which one is true? Uh, do we receive the inheritance or are we the inheritance? Well, I would say today both are true. Uh, and I'm not walking the fence on that. Be I think of the, uh, that song, Offering. Because of his offering, we can offer ourselves to him. Because we have been blessed with all spiritual blessings, we have the opportunity to be a blessing to somebody else. God, we can use our lives to glorify Jesus Christ. We are blessed, I believe, to be a blessing today. And I think he sums it up for us there in verse 12 when he says, To the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. That is the purpose for our lives today. We are here for the praise of his glory. We are not here for our own selfish demands. We, we are not here for our own will and our own way. We are here to bring glory to Jesus Christ. I like the picture that comes out of 1 Peter chapter 2. In it, he speaks of the fact that we are living stones. We are being built together as, as a group of believers into a holy temple. And our purpose there is to reveal or to proclaim the glory of Jesus Christ. We are gemstones. He's not making his temple of, of rough old rocks. He, he's making it out of gemstones. You are a, a work of God. You are a gem in his sight. Now, I realize as I say that, sometimes we look at our lives and say, wait a minute, what about the flaws? What, what about the weaknesses that I find in my own heart? What about the sin that I enter into at times? Praise the Lord. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, he says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. He's dealing there with a work 
in progress. I mentioned uh, last week the movie Aladdin. I'm going to come back to that again this week. Uh, uh, Last week we looked at the fact that uh, there at the end, uh, I don't know what her name is, Jasmine, there you go. Some of you have seen it. Some of you watched the classics. All right. Uh, Yeah, Jasmine uh, at the end is given the opportunity to choose who her life partner will be. And she turns to Aladdin and says, I choose him. I choose you. Uh, And yet another lesson comes out of that story. Uh, Aladdin is involved in that story because, as he is described, he is a diamond in the rough. And I would suggest that's what we are today, diamonds. Uh, If you don't like diamonds, uh, put another gemstone in there. You're a gemstone. God is polishing. God is shaping. God is helping you somehow to reflect as a gemstone reflects the light. Uh, You are here to reflect the light of the glory of Jesus Christ to your society to your family, to your friends, to those that that you interact with. And yes, at times we are a diamond in a rough, but God's not finished with us yet. We're a chosen jewel, a a chosen gem in his hands. We are here for a purpose, and that is for the glory of Jesus Christ. And so as we think of the Son, let us first of all thank God that Jesus Christ has redeemed us, paid the price for our sin. We have redemption today because of what he did for us on the cross of Calvary. And then let's be thankful that he has revealed to us a measure of God's will. We may not fully understand everything that touches our life, but we understand that he does and he knows what he is doing and it will work out for his glory and his grace. And then thank the Lord that he has provided you an opportunity in the hard times, in the good times, in all of the times that touch your life, he has given you the opportunity to somehow be a jewel, to somehow bring glory to his name. And let's ask God to help us do that today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the reality of what Paul was saying to the church in Ephesus. Thank you for the fact that we have redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ, that it's available to any and all who would call upon you today. Thank you that as we do that, you begin to unfold before us the will that you have for us and the path that you would have us to walk. And we give you thanks and praise for that. And then, Father, we marvel at the fact that somehow you have chosen to reveal your glory through this body of clay through our lives. As Paul said elsewhere in Corinthians, it's in earthen vessels that we have that glory. Help us to live in such a way that somebody looking at us today will get a glimpse of the glory of Jesus Christ, we ask in his name. Amen. Okay, we're going to have our announcement time.